The advice and opinions expressed by the hosts of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. The Center for Autism and Related Disorders advises working with a board-certified behavior analyst who has experience with autism before starting any intensive behavioral intervention. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Good morning and welcome to Autism Live. I'm Shannon Penrod and we're coming to you live from a different place in my house this week. Uh, so thrilled to, I know you guys are like, did you move? I uh, know we just have to be in a different place in, um, in my house this week. So change of scenery and it's throwing me off a little bit, but uh, super fun to be here with you. We're live today is, I always have to check the date. It is the 4th of February, 2021. Ooh, yeah. Uh, and excited that we're here with you. I just gotta ask you guys a question as we start. I, I, I wanna know if you guys are binge watching anything and does it, when you're binge watching something, does it kind of mess with your head? Because uh, we're watching uh, as a family, I know, judge me, uh, Breaking Bad right now. I've never seen Breaking Bad and my son who's about to be 18 wanted to watch it and, and my husband had already seen it, but we're watching that as a family right now. So I'm just like, so in the Breaking Bad world. Um, but now on my own, I'm watching Pose, which I missed when it first came out. And I just, I feel like between these two worlds, especially because I'm binging Pose, it's like all I want to do is open a house for transgender uh, young people and be a mother. Not necessarily walk in balls and thing. I don't, I'm not doing that. I can't wear high heels, but I want to, I want to mother these, this youth. Uh, so my head is so very, uh, if you have not uh, seen Pose, whoo, and something that we should talk about on this show more, we talk a little bit, but, you know, the studies are in and um, more, more, um, in, more individuals, because it works both ways. There's a higher percentage of gay and transgender youth that are on, uh, in the, if you just take the autism community, there's a higher percentage of gay and transgender individuals in the autism community than there is in the rest of the population. And there, um, and there is a high number, if you just look at the gay and transgender population, there is a higher percentage of individuals that are on the autism spectrum, which of course makes them um, more vulnerable. Um, and my, it just makes my heart want to beat outside my chest. But we're here and uh, we're talking about autism from a 360 degree perspective. And that is certainly a part of the autism spectrum. So um, I, I, I want to be bringing you guys more shows having to do with that as well. I know somebody asked a question about that yesterday and we didn't quite get to it. Uh, today we have other things going on though. It's just that my head is in post. So uh, thrilled to be here with you. want to remind you we are live. Right now we are live on more platforms than we have ever been before. It's just absolutely uh, amazing what Traven has been able to do to um, get us on more of these sites. So the, the big four though are YouTube, 
Facebook, Periscope, and Twitter, but we are on many more sites live right now. I know yesterday we had a lot of folks joining us on Vaughn Live. We're so thrilled to have you here. I want to let you know that we're live for the hour, and then we podcast to every place that you can get your podcasts. So feel free to watch us live or recorded. Um, we're a free download. Uh, you don't ever have to pay to watch our show. That's really important to us. We are also on BronxNet TV. So you can catch us on cable access uh, in the Bronx. if you'd like. And if you'd like for us to be on your cable access channel in your area, please make us aware of where, you know, who, what the cable access channel is. And, and if you know who we might talk to there, connect us. We, uh, we're very interested in being a resource for people and being in as many places as we can be for free because our mission here is to provide information and inspiration. That's what we're all about. And we wanna provide that for the larger autism community, which starts of course with individuals who are on the autism spectrum. Uh, but, and that's huge. I mean, that's important to us um, that they are the beating heart of what we do and why we do it. But we include in our audience and tailor our, our, our content, not only to those individuals, but of course to those individuals, but also, also to everyone who loves them, that, that is surrounding them and wanting to stand tall for them to make sure that they get the resources, support, dignity, employment, right to love, right to wear the clothing that they want to wear, right? All of that. Um, everyone who is loving someone on the spectrum and wanting that for them, they're a part of our larger autism community. So when we say autism community, we're including all of those individuals as well, because we feel like it's a bigger voice, a bigger army to be able to get the respect and dignity. We're not all going to agree on everything, right? Um, I think that that you know, any diverse group of people, we're going to have individual needs, different points of view, but I think we can all agree on the rights, dignity, support, um, and the ability to choose what those supports are, right? So uh, thrilled to be able to be here. And we feature on the show lots of experts. Oh my goodness, if I got a great expert for you today with a really empowering message. Um, wonderful, wonderful uh fabulous social worker. That's my dog scratching to go out because I'm in a different area of the house. No, you cannot go out. Come here. Do you want to say hi to people? Stop. Uh, <laughs> I don't usually have her in the, the big dog in the room when I'm doing the show. And this is why. Uh, so uh, why can't you just lay down like the other dog? And she's looking at me like, I don't know what you have going on or who you're talking to. There's no one there. Uh, welcome to my madness. Yes. Come here. Come over here. Perhaps you can say hello. No, we're not, we're not doing that. In any case, uh, we, we have lots of experts on the show. I do remind you on a regular basis, though, even though we have experts on the show, please don't confuse me as being one of them. I'm not. Uh, my uh, reason why I'm here, my raison d'etre, as they say, I'm a mom. And my son was diagnosed with, with autism when he was two and a half. And that was a difficult day for me because I didn't know what to do. And I had to lean into a wind that I was unfamiliar with and trust, ask for help and, and ask questions. And I got really lucky. I got really lucky. And then as a result of that luck, we worked really hard. No one worked harder than my son. And I can honestly say that now 
Um, I can look back and take a deep breath about all that we went through. And, and I'm, I'm going to say this now because it really goes along with the guests that we're going to have. I can say that I'm in gratitude for our journey right now. And for many of you, I know you hear that and you go, what you talking about, Willis? Um, I'm in the trenches right now and I'm having a difficult day and I can't convey what I want to convey or my child can't convey what they want to convey. And those are hard days. Um, but I will tell you that with the right support, it is very possible for you to get to the gratitude, which is really going to come hand in hand with the, our guest today. Um, so this is why I'm here. I'm not an expert. Um, I like to say that I've been hosting shows about autism for, you know, almost a decade and a half now. So I've interviewed a lot of people and I, and I might have an informed opinion, maybe, maybe, but not an expert. But it doesn't change the fact that I am here because I want to support you and what you uh what you're trying to do. Let's talk for just a second about the fact that right now live, you can be writing in to our um, show. Uh, if you are on any of those major uh, sites live that we were talking about, all you have to do is type in uh, what you want to ask or what comment that you want to give. And it shows up here on my screen. And in that way, we can be talking directly, potentially even answering your questions live on the show. So, um, all right, I think we've covered everything that we need to cover. Uh, and now, my friends, it is time for the jargon of the day. This is when we take on one word, one phrase, one acronym. We try to figure out what in the hey, nani, nani, are those experts talking about? Why are they talking about it? What does this have to do with us? And why can't they just say things in a way that we could all understand, right? We all feel that way. So uh, what we do here on the show, because the the jargon can sink your ship faster than anything else, right? Because if you don't know what people are talking about, it's a different language. However, the flip is also, if you can begin to understand the jargon and understand what people mean, you can move faster. And I'm always about, can I save you time? Can I save you money? Can I save you heartache, right? And when you know the jargon terms, it does save you time and it gets you to progress faster. But you can't learn it all overnight. It's not like you just sit down, read the book and absorb it all. It takes some time. So we that's why we give you it one bite at a time. Today's term is a coics. You can see it up there on the screen. And I love good morning to Pentoya. I, I don't know how you say it, Pen, Pentoya. Uh, but we're thrilled that you're here. So uh, a coics. I always like to look, can I figure out a root word somewhere or a suffix? or something that can help me to know what this might have to do. And this is a good example of that because you can see the word echo in this. Um, and that's gonna help us to remember what this means. So let's take a look at our actual definition of echoics and see what it says. And then we're gonna make fun of it. And then we're gonna move on to the working definition, which hopefully will help us to understand. So echoics is an elementary verbal operant. Well, if only they had said that, right? Uh, involving a response that is evoked by a verbal discriminative stimulus. Thank you. I'm sure that we all know what that means. Uh, that has a point that has point-to-point -point correspondence and formal similarity with the response. And ladies and gentlemen, this is why we do jargon of the day, because what in the heck does that mean? And why would anyone try to explain a coex to anyone with these terms? And yet they do. 
uh, an elementary verbal operant. Because if you don't know what a coax is, I'm sure you know what that means. Uh, okay, so let's take this and let's put it in the circular file and let's move on to our working definition and see if we can't make sense of it. A coax is repeating something immediately after it's being said, or if we think about our root word, it's echoing. So I know that many of you have kiddos who are doing what we call movie talk, where your child just completely is echoing something that they saw in a movie. And I know that some of you are like ready to pull your hair out. It's like so frustrating that, that, that you want your child to speak, you want your child to communicate, but then they pick one line from a movie and they say it over and over and over again. Well, that is a very specific thing and it's in the neighborhood of a coax, but I wanna reassure you that um, that isn't even necessarily a bad thing because it's a form of communication and it can be channeled to more communication. But a coax is when we, we it's actually uh, a stage of development that, that people who are acquiring language go through. And when we have a kiddo on the spectrum and we're acquiring language, we want this particular state. We want to be able to say something and have them echo it. Um, if you, I know sometimes it's heartbreaking if you have a child on the spectrum who isn't speaking and then later on, you know, they get a little bit older and you're around a two-year-old who does not have autism and you see their magpies and they say everything. And, you know, you're in the grocery store and you hear the, the little two-year-old who's in the, the cart and mom is on the phone and, sh and she's saying, oh, someone is a bleepity bleep bleep. And the child goes blah, 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 and is attempting to say it, right? They're magpies. We want to take that stage of development and try to recreate it for our kiddos on the spectrum or teens or adults when we're trying to build language. So we will teach in a phase where we'll say something and we will reward them attempting to echo it back. However, if you have a kiddo who is stuck in that phase and you're really frustrated, I think it's a great time to sit down and talk with both your ABA team and your speech pathologist and say, I, I'm, I wanna look at this in a different way. Why is my child stuck in saying this? That you wanna look for the meaning in that phrase for them. I really wanna tell you there's a great documentary about Ron Suskin's son and how he took phrases from Disney movies and they thought it was just this random thing that it didn't mean anything. And the film, I think it's called A Life Animated. Um, they, they show you that he was using those phrases to convey much more meaning to his parents because those were the only phrases he had until he had more. For other kids, it can be different things. It can be different sounds that they like, but we must remember and honor that they are attempting to communicate something. And with the right speech pathologist, with the right ABA professionals, you can take that movie talk and you can stretch it out into other things and, and have it be a, a really integral part of their communication. Um, it can actually get very exciting. So if you're frustrated with it, I would say to you, Honor your feelings of the frustration, but why is it frustrating? It's frustrating because you don't understand why they're doing it. And if you begin to understand, okay, when he's upset, he says a line from Shrek. Well, if you start to notice that, then you know, okay, now I can continue the conversation because 
you know, something happens and your child says the line from Shrek and you can say, are you feeling anxious right now? Are you feeling frustrated? And start to deal with it. Uh, talk to your speech pathologist, talk to your ABA team, chart when they say what to begin to try to figure out what are they trying to tell me when they're saying this. Uh, but a coex is a very, very, it's a very important verbal operant. Uh, okay. And we answered a question about the vaccine yesterday. Um, I, I want to reiterate what I said yesterday, right now on, it is February 4th, 2019. There is 2019. COVID-19, 2021 is the year. There is no FDA uh, approved vaccine for children right now. So there's, at, at this moment in time, um, we can't even, there's, there's nothing approved right now. We don't have enough information. That's, that's where, that's the first place, right? Uh, but I encourage you to go and watch what Dr. Grand Pichet said yesterday. Uh, and I love, somebody said, yes, yeah, so hard uh, uh, to form into functional language, but it is language, it is, but you can do it. Uh, their, and their child says, see you next time. Bye-bye. When he wants a break or avoiding ABA in the morning. You know, that's funny. Cause that's uh, not the first time that somebody has took, cause that's what I say at the, the end of the show. Uh, and, uh, I, I was someplace at a, um, an out, outdoor autism festival and a mom came up who I'd never met before. She was like, Oh my gosh. And we were hugging. It was before COVID and her child was in his little stroller and, and I was like, oh my gosh, I've heard so much about you. And, and, you know, he was not looking at me and he was not into me. It was a very big festival and there was a lot going on. I'm sure sensory wise, it was very overwhelming. But then the mom said, you know, uh, give your kid as a hug for me. See you next time. Bye-bye. Uh, Bye-bye for now. And he, his head shot up and he looked at me and he realized it was me. And then he just grinned ear to ear. And I was like, it was just a favorite, favorite moment. Uh, so uh, our kids like repetition. All kids do. It's the reason why they used to play the Teletubbies over and over again, just one episode. So repetition is not a bad thing. Don't get scared about them doing the movie talk. It can be shaped. Okay, we got to move on to, because I got a great guest and we can't be late for our guest. I think we already are. Uh, let's move on to our question of the day. Sorry, Trayvon, I'm all over the map. So we did a coex. Uh, that was our dragon of the day. And our question for you today bum, ba, da, ba, is what's your favorite song? What's the song that when you hear it, man, it doesn't matter. You can be in any kind of a mood and any kind of a snit, right? <laughs> Feeling down or whatever, but you hear that song and you just, your body has to move. You have to sing a little bit. I've got several, I have to tell you, but um, my ABA song, the song that I hear now and, and even then, um, when we were in intensive treatment and I would hear it and I would just have to groove to it, but it makes my heart explode, um, with things to do for and with my child. It's fat boy slim praise you. Uh, and I'm, I always say I'm hundred percent sure that he was not talking about ABA. In fact, I think it was more of a religious thing. Um, but it's that song, I have to praise you like I should. And it's got a lot of, you know, new wavy kind of disco-y stuff part to it that I love. Uh, but whenever I, uh, 
is it praise you or praise him? What doesn't matter. Uh, I, I groove out to that song and it makes me super happy. And it was my ABA song because that's exactly what we need to do at ABA is praise our kids. If you can do that, if you can get that part of ABA, your life will be better and their life will be better. Um, so I love, I love me some fat boy slim. Somebody else says nappy roots. Good day. Okay. I, I don't know this. I got to listen to this song. Uh, okay. Uh, and our guest has said that our sound is choppy for her, Traven. So I don't know. And we're going to get to her in just a second. Hopefully it'll be better when she's in the room. Uh, is anybody else having choppy sound or we, are you all able to hear me? Please write into the chat if you are having sound, or it could just be my dog that is scratching, that is making it sound choppy and disturbing the video. I'm about to uh, adopt her out. <laughs> in a minute, I'm going to have to get up and let her out in the middle of the show. Um, come here, Daisy. I need you to go lay down here. Uh, okay. So anyway, oh, it's like juggling chainsaws today. Okay. So what is your uh, favorite song? Write in and tell me. Uh, somebody says it's a little bit choppy on their end, but other, somebody else says they can hear it fine, Traven. So I don't, I don't know what you want to do with that. But uh, okay. So we always have a topic of the week and we didn't get to introduce the topic of the week on Monday because we didn't do a show on Monday. So our topic this week was levels of friendship. This is a lesson that we teach our kiddos on the autism spectrum that all friends are not the same. That, um, you know, you have friends that are acquaintances and you have friends that are your ride or die. And then you have friends that are good friends, right? But maybe not your best friend. And then there are people that you don't know at all that you really wouldn't even call acquaintances, but you're aware of them, right? It's a lot. And even within those categories, there's gradations, right? Um, like you have a friend that you would tell anything to, I hope. And then you have friends that you're like, well, I wouldn't tell her that because she's going to yak at a yak, but still your friend, right? But you can have friends that you don't trust completely. It's just that you put them in a certain category. And it's really important that we teach our kiddos the levels of friendship because um, we need to make sure that they're with people who don't take advantage of them, don't harm them, um, and are nice to them. Uh, that sometimes our kiddos on the spectrum are so pure, they don't, they don't know how to lie and they don't understand why anybody else would lie. We can teach them what a lie looks like. We can teach them to lie for their own good, but it still confounds them. I have really good friends on the spectrum that are adults who are like, I don't get it. Why do people lie? Like, what's, what's that about? They understand it, but they're like, why would you waste your time to lie? And I got to say, it's one of the things that I love about my friends that are on the autism spectrum. You know what you're getting right? They're going to tell you the truth and they're not trying to prevaricate and all these other things. Um, but it makes them vulnerable to people who are up to no good. So we want to teach levels of friendship. And I have to tell you that I think it's really important for us, all of us to acknowledge that there's levels of friendship and put our friends like on a spectrum of where do I trust this friend? How much do I trust this friend? It wasn't until my son was being taught this, 
that I was really in a position to think about it. I had never really thought about it in my life before, but there was a kiddo in my son's second grade class that my son, you know, he would tell me, Michael is my friend. I like to play with Michael. I would say to him, what are you doing during lunch today? Did you play with Michael? Yes, Michael and I did this, that, or the other thing. Great, except that the aide in the classroom would tell me, Michael is not a good influence. And I don't always subscribe to that because I'm like, well, you know, sometimes kids are misunderstood. But then Michael was taking the little drawstring things to my son's hood, pulling them tight and trying to strangle him with it. You know, and I want to cut Michael a break and Michael, you know, is his own individual. But when you're trying to strangle my child, I'm like, mm, you can't spend time with my child. So we went through a whole host of things to teach my child. What do you do when a friend is trying to harm you? And we said, first of all, you need to communicate and say, stop. And that if possible, you need to say, stop, you're hurting me. And that if some, if you say, stop, you're hurting me to someone and they continue doing the thing that they were doing, then they really aren't a friend. And I remember us having to, and the therapists explaining this to my son and me going, oh, because I had people in my life who I considered friends, good friends, that had one in particular who had done something and I had said, please stop, please don't do that. That's, you know, you're hurting me and your family and my family when you do this. And then they persisted in doing it and explaining to me, well, the reason why I'm going to do this, um, you know, after I had said, please stop. And it was such a, a, a moment of clarity for me. And I have to tell you that if you are, um, whether you are a person on the spectrum and someone is not being nice to you or whether you're a parent of someone on the spectrum and you're trying really hard to help your child and there's someone in your family or in your friend friend category that is making it harder for you to do what you're trying to do, we all need to look at that. And it doesn't mean that we make these people go completely away. It doesn't mean we shun them. It doesn't mean that we think bad thoughts about them. It's just we put them in a different place in the level of friendship. And I know there were some friends that I had to put on pause while we were doing autism intervention and say, you know, you got a lot going on there and I can't participate in that right now. And I'm able to be friends with them again. I would tell you honestly, not the way we were before, but I can be friends. I can wish them well. I'd be at, be at an event with them. I hug them. I wish well for their kids. We can have a phone conversation. We're just not in each other's pockets maybe, but it's important that we model behavior for our kids and show them that if you invest in a friendship and put trust into a friendship, friends don't hurt you. Um, and I think it's a really important conversation to have in the autism community um, and that we call it out into light and that people, you know, we look at people and go, is this somebody who's supporting me? Or is this somebody who's trying to tear me down? Uh, we, we need to teach that to the individuals on the spectrum because they, like I said, they aren't front loaded with this thought that someone, someone who says they care about them would say something or do something harm, harmful. I just don't think it occurs to them. And I'm sorry that we have to introduce the concept into their world, but as we do, I think we need to take that on for ourselves. So many of you will tell me that, you know, you have somebody in your family who thinks that they, <laughs> that they know 
what you should be doing about your child. And you know what I always say, if you don't know what an FBA, an IEP, a BIP, uh, you know, and throw a bunch of letters, if you don't know what those things mean forward and backward, then you should let me parent my child on my own. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yes. So, uh, and somebody said, I just had a conversation with my neurotypical eight-year-old regarding gaming friends and school friends. Yes. Because, you know, school friends, you could tell them where you live and invite them over to your house. But gaming friends online, we don't tell them our name. We don't tell them where we live. We don't give them our phone number or address. Um, and some, someone said, oh, my Lord, yes. Um, uh, oh, somebody said, I got the I told you so from someone who gave me no help and just demanded the world from me. It happens. I'm sending you all hugs. It happens. And we don't have to be in a place of anger and resentment about it, but we can have big boundaries and say to ourselves, oh, this person is in this level of friendship, which means I just don't invest in that. Um, and it's a better place for our head to be in. Uh, so I'm so glad we could have this talk because uh, <laughs> it's a lot, right? And you deserve to have people in your life who are building you up. That's the truth. Um, the other thing that I always say, I'm going to get it crocheted onto a pillow. My favorite phrase is other people's opinion of my parenting is none of my business. None. You know, everybody like, please, I always say to you guys, feel free to judge me. Um, you know, go for it because it's none of my business. Um, and that gives me a certain amount of peace of mind because nobody's here to see the, the day. And the, trust me, I'm not winning any awards as a mom, but you know, we're getting it done on a daily basis. Um, and there's love. So that's enough for us. Okay. Speaking of getting it done on a daily basis and, and the fact that there's love, we just love our next guest. I'm so excited that she's here with us for the first time, but I don't think the last time Naomi Siegel is an amazing social worker and she's joining us today. She's got a article that she's written. that's absolutely beautiful. And uh, I'm going to have her talk a little bit about it. We posted it this morning on Autism Lives. We shared it on Autism Lives Facebook from um, one of the, the card websites. It's a beautiful article uh, about, uh, I, I believe the title of it, correct me if I'm wrong, Naomi, when you join us in a second, but I believe the title is Why I'm Grateful for Autism in COVID. Can you imagine? Uh, like where, I know if you're like, What? Stick around. Let's hear from Naomi. So we're so thrilled that she is here. Naomi, are you there? I'm you got here. Her. Okay, fabulous. Thank you so much for having me, Shannon. Such an well, honor. I'm so thrilled that you're here. And I really want people to go and read this beautiful article that you wrote. Uh, but if they, ha if they haven't read it yet, Naomi, tell us a little bit about you and why you would say something like why I'm great. Is that the title of it? Why I'm grateful for autism and COVID? Yeah, so that is the title. And honestly, you know, I never expected to be sitting here with you or to be on this journey or to have a child with autism, um, let alone get diagnosed in the midst of COVID. So really i just kind of compiled all of these things and wanted to put it out there and share my story because i think it's important to give a voice to you know the the actual experience of getting a diagnosis starting aba 
going through all of these resources, navigating these complex systems in the midst of a global pandemic. So, and um, I can go more in depth about exactly why it's been such a blessing, but it really truly has um, to get the support for my daughter. Yeah, well, and so let's start with the fact that you're a social worker, that this is your, this is your career, mm -hmm. this is what you do. But then as you say, and it says in the article that during this period of time, you experienced what it's like to be on the other side. Is that correct? I don't know if you're getting my sound. Yeah, so, so I'm a social worker. I. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Sorry, the sound isn't great. <laughs> so sorry. So I think I heard your question. So um, yeah, so as a social worker, I've been working with other families for over a decade, for close to 15 years, and supporting their uh, children, whether referring them for early intervention services, um, getting them screened, connecting them with resources in the community, um, doing all of this type of work for others. So when it came time for myself, I kind of just was able to dive right in and um, go through the motions. But these systems are super complicated. Um, as all of you listening know, anyone who's tried to apply for Medicaid or different programs for your children, they're extremely difficult to navigate. Um, and that's, I have a master's degree and I still, you know, have trouble navigating these systems. Well, and a lot of people, I hope you can hear me, Naomi, a lot of people, uh, when COVID hit, if their child was already diagnosed with autism or newly diagnosed with autism, I got to say, I, I my heart goes out to anybody who's gotten the diagnosis uh, since this started, because I can't even imagine how hard that is. But a lot of people were told or felt that they couldn't start intervention or couldn't continue intervention in COVID because it hasn't been easy and it hasn't been like it was before. You have you've just forged on. And, and I'd love it if you could talk a little bit about what it's been like for you doing an intervention during COVID, what's worked, what's been hard, what hasn't worked. Okay. Yeah. So I talk about this in the article that I wrote, but for years we were having challenges with my daughter, behavioral challenges, um, throwing tantrums, being inflexible. I mean, the whole nine yards. And even from a young age, she was hitting all of her milestones really early. So there weren't red flags um, because she's so brilliant. She was walking at 10 months old, speaking in full paragraphs at two years old. I mean, extremely intelligent, but there were these clues, right? There were biting and scratching and kicking teachers and all of these behaviors and, you know, refusing to follow one step directions and all of these red flags. And so, you know, we were lucky that the preschool she was at referred her to the school district. So she started um, on an IEP when she was four years old. And I um, had my pediatrician send us a referral to Children's Hospital out here in Colorado. And she was on the wait list for nine months, but then it turned into a year because of COVID. So she was actually supposed to have her big assessment right in March and then COVID came. So that got pushed back a few more months. So it was really frustrating, right? So initially we have the shutdown and you know it falls on me. I'm working full time. I have two kids under the age of five at this point, trying to balance everything. And this was before the diagnosis of autism. So I'm just trying to keep my head above water, 
keep my work on track, entertain my kids, try to do the online school piece, which now I know does not work with children with autism on the spectrum. Um, so just trying to balance everything. It was chaotic to say the least. So then um, once we got this diagnosis, at first I, I was in disbelief. And I also talk about this. I said, are you sure? Are you sure that my child's on the spectrum? You know, really? And even, you know, relatives were like, no, 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 she doesn't have autism. That, that can't be right. Um, and so it was really interesting. And I started doing reading and researching and immediately realized, okay, autism is a disability. So I applied for the Medicaid buy-in program, which many people don't realize because we're over income. We um, were able to get on a program where there's a monthly premium, which is waived because of COVID. So got her signed up for that, got her into ABA therapy, got her set up with occupational therapy. Um, and you know, the ball started rolling. I was like, okay, we've got a plan now. And in some ways it's been a blessing too, because with schools closed, we were able to have the, the behavioral technicians come to our home to work with my daughter, send her to the center. So I was actually able to get a little bit of a respite, some time to focus on my actual job, <laughs> you know, because we're trying to balance all these things. It's just, it's crazy, right? Um, but really none of this would have been possible without my employer um, working for Boulder County, um, which is local government here out here in Colorado. Having an employer that is not only supportive um, of the work-life balance, but they offer, it's more the norm for flexible work schedules. They've also expanded FMLA time during COVID because so many people need to be taking care of their kids and working, right? And trying to do it all. Um, it's obviously a feat for the ages, right? To be balancing all of these things with young children in the home. So, and then I also just really need to speak. I have so much privilege. I have a master's degree as a white college educated woman. So many people don't have this. There are so many people who do not have access or the ability. They're working frontline essential employers. They're working at restaurants. You know, they're, they're working cleaning hotels. They, they don't have the ability to work from home. They don't have an employee who is understanding. So none of this would be possible for me to even be supporting my daughter without this infrastructure in place and the privilege that I have with my education and, and being a white woman. So I just wanted to put that out there as well. And, you know, I appreciate that. Somebody wrote in and said, sounds like you were able to adapt a lot faster than most of us in the beginning. And someone else said, yes, how do we apply for Medicaid or SSDI in New Jersey here? And thank you. Mm -hmm. But I want to thank you for acknowledging, you know, what I, what I think is amazing about you, Naomi, is that you acknowledge all of that, that you sort of had a leg up with all of that privilege. Mm -hmm. And part of that privilege was that you were already a social worker. This is what you for a living is help people access this. I mean, um, you know, it's amazing. But but what I love is that now you're acknowledging that and trying to turn around and help other parents to look at this in a different way. I didn't know about the Medicaid uh, buy-in program until you talked about it. And I, I'm so excited for other parents to know this. So for this, this mom in New Jersey who wants to know how do we apply for Medicaid and SSDI, obviously New Jersey and Colorado are gonna be different, but do you have any words of advice for her? 
Yeah, so I would recommend whatever website you apply for public benefits. So out here in Colorado, there's a website called Colorado Peak, if there's anyone listening in Colorado. Um, but each state has their own website where you'd go to apply for food assistance, Medicaid, um, you know, temporary assistance for needy families, any of these public benefits. There should be a website where you go and apply. So that would be a good place to start. And then it's important that you're only applying for your child, not for your whole family. And when you are applying to check that your child is disabled, because you're applying for your child, your specific child who has the autism diagnosis, which is considered a disability. And then there's in income guideline limits. Um, I'm not sure if that is different per state. Um, I believe in Colorado, a family of four has to be making under $120,000 a year. So like you can use your taxes from the previous year to apply. But it's interesting because this isn't a program that's often advertised, so you kind of have to do some digging. And one of the things that I discovered uh, earlier in the week, this week, I guess I'd known about it years ago and forgotten it, but every state has a website that's a 211 website. So if you just mm -hmm. Google 211 and put in the name of your state, it'll tell you what the name of that state is. I, I was looking for resources for somebody in Iowa and in Iowa, it's 211iowa.org, but I didn't know that until I Googled it. But then it's a clearinghouse of places to go for information about everything under the sun. Here in Los Angeles, you can just dial 211 on your phone and you'll be connected to a person who says, what do you need help with? And depending on what you say, they will connect you to resources. It's not comprehensive. I mean, I did that when my son was young. I did the 211 number and they didn't tell me about the IHSS, um, you know, because they didn't know. So it's not comprehensive. It's not, but it's a place to start. Uh, somebody says, we're still going through the IHSS process over six months at this point. I don't know what it's like in, uh, in other states, but here in California, it's often at least a year and that's when it's not COVID. And I would think that COVID would slow it down. But I just want to say to you, anybody who's applying for IHS in IHSS in California, they go back when they approve you, they go back to the day that you applied. So a lot of families get a check that's a year late, that's a sizable, it's a big help. I've seen families put a down payment on a house with what they got from IHSS because they waited a year. It's that much money. Um, so there we go. But Naomi, um, I, I also, I, you know, I'm always struck by the fact that there's, there's always more than one way to look at things. And while a lot of people have said, oh no, my child was diagnosed in, in COVID, could there be a worse time? Um, you said, uh, well, look, this worked out because school wasn't as intensive. You've seen the glass half full. Do you think that that's because of who you are or because of what you know or what you had access to? Like what led you to be positive? And was there a day when you were just like, oh no, woe is me. And then it shifted. What was it like for you? You know, I think it's, it's a journey, right? We're all on this journey that ebbs and flows and you've got good days and bad days. And oh my gosh, like, how am I going to get through this days? Um, but ultimately, you know, what I do for a living is early intervention, right? I'm connecting families with services so they don't lose their housing, so they don't lose their employment. 
so they're stable, so they're connected with whatever they need. Um, so I really look at it as, okay, you know what, here's what we were given. I am going to do what I need to do to get my daughter the best services she can as quick as she can. And, you know, let's do this. Like, let's go full steam ahead. This is, this is the time, you know, COVID obviously is another layer. I feel like I went from having, you know, my actual full-time job and then my parenting full-time job, you know, like before COVID I had maybe two full-time jobs and now I have like six full-time jobs. Um, you know, it's really multiplied. So, you know, finding the time to do everything and obviously take care of myself because if I go down, then my whole family <laughs> will be in trouble. So, I mean, I think part of it is, is my attitude that, you know what, this is what life's dealt me. And my daughter is brilliant. I look at her in a different way with this diagnosis because I see that she is going to do amazing things. She is so gifted and so talented. And the, the question she asks me, the way she sees the world is so incredible and inspiring. And it's hard as hell. Like, let's be honest. <laughs> you know, there's those times where it's like, oh my gosh, you know, <laughs> can't we just get your shoes on and get out the door? Does it have to be one of these simple one step directions that my three year old is able to, do, even though my six year old is the one who, you know, is twi twice as old, the one with ASD is six. So. And you say in your article that one of the things that you've that you've been doing is uh, a pretty intensive ABA program, um, and that's a that's a, a typically a hard thing to start. But are you so? Are you like about six months in now? Is that correct? Yeah. So um, my daughter was diagnosed at the end of July. Um, so this is it's only been six months since we've had the diagnosis, and she's been in ABA probably about five months. Yep. That's amazing. And and so do you see a change after doing five months of ABA? We are definitely seeing some positive changes. It's like for every like few steps forward, there's some steps back, you know. So I'll be like, wow, she actually recognized, you know, this this was only a small problem, but my reaction was really big, you know, and it didn't match. So, you know, there'll, there'll be these little indicators or I'll see her just being really kind to a friend or some some growth and maturity. So, yeah, I am I am impressed and I'm seeing some positive results already. So, so we have a ways to go. I mean, yeah. 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 Well, and that's why it, it certainly takes more than six months. But for families <laughs> that are out there who have decided to just put things on hold because a lot of families have, they've said, I can't, I can't do the distance learning. I can't work my job. I can't manage things in COVID and do an intervention. So I'm going to put ABA on hold. What advice would you have for them? Do whatever you can to try not to put it on hold. I know this is a tall order and it may not be realistic for those families that are frontline working in restaurants, don't have the flexibility in their job, but maybe you can drop them off at the center for eight hours. That's what I do. And it's bliss. Let me tell you, eight hours, my daughter loves it. I love it. It's a win-win, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, so look at the, the flexibility. We, we also have um, a therapist come to our house three evenings a week and we struggle during dinner and bath time. So it's lovely having someone there at the hardest part of the night, um, assisting with those activities. 
So I, I really think that it's possible for most people. I'm not going to say it's possible for everyone. Um, but I think, again, putting this, making this a priority is going to have such tremendous benefit in the long term. I, I love how you look at it. And I, I, I'm so glad that we have a chance to have other people share that to another side to it that it can be helpful. Mary Jo says, thank mm -hmm. you. How does Medicaid work for my son if we have medical insurance through my husband's job? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. So, um, so we have, so I have health insurance through my job and Medicaid becomes a secondary insurance. So for example, I have Cigna as a primary, right? And so whenever Cigna has a copay or if Cigna denies a service or if Cigna costs a lot of money, Medicaid takes it over automatically. And then you have zero copays, zero deductible. For example, genetic testing is not covered under Cigna. I think they do like the first part, but not the in-depth, which we're doing. And so Medicaid will cover that. So Cigna will reject things and then Medicaid picks it. And there's never ever any copays with Medicaid. So it's such a help, right? So even OT, my daughter, I took my daughter to OT this week. OT didn't happen. She threw a huge tantrum, refused to go in, but I don't have a copay. So that takes a lot of stress off, right? As a parent, as a working mom. Um, okay, we're going to do the best we can, but she needs these appointments, but it's covered. Love it. And they said, thank you. They have Cigna too. And she said, that would be awesome. That parent also said that thanks to COVID, mm -hmm. her child has learned to tie their shoes. There, I do think, you know, for all Yay. of us, this is, yeah, exactly. Let's celebrate that. Um, I think that there, I don't think any of us would have chosen COVID, um, that this has been really hard in a lot of different ways and people are suffering in a lot of different ways. People have lost family members. This has been really tough, but I do think that people who have looked at it and said, okay, what can I do that's positive during this time? And, and we could certainly look at it and say, oh, this is a bad time to be diagnosed with autism. But it also, I've seen parents who have sort of doubled down on their ABA and gotten, you know, and you learn how to tie your shoes. Um, you know, there, there are some good things that we've seen happen as a result of it when people got in that mindset. So I, I love that you're, you're, you're preaching that to us because it's a wonderful thing. Uh, somebody said, we did gen deep genetic testing too, uh, but no copays would be awesome. Um, and I, you know, I, I would, my son had therapy in a time when there was no insurance for autism. Uh, we, my generation fought really hard for there to be insurance and I didn't think it was going to happen. I just got to tell you, like, I didn't think that that was going to happen in my lifetime. And when it did, I think those of us who had hoped for it were like, this is amazing. You guys have it all so easy, except that you don't. Because sometimes the co-pays, I literally have had parents say, we turned down ABA because we couldn't afford the copay." And I don't ever want to hear anybody say that because there are programs and ways and Medicaid and things that can help you to um, mitigate that copay cost um, so that we don't ever have to do that. So uh, somebody wants to know, can you get Medicaid and SSDI or one or the other? You can get both um, depending on the severity um, and the documentation from the doctor. So SSDI is a complicated process 
to apply for, and often people do get um, turned away from it, but it's totally possible you can get both. They're two completely separate programs. So SSDI is a monthly payment that helps for the costs of, of your child. So it's a direct cash assistance program where Medicaid is specifically health insurance. So you can get both. Uh, Renee says, because of COVID, my son started to do new things and gain more functional language. His speech therapist was so amused, uh, but he did gain more behavior problems. And I think, you know, that also has been happening in COVID too, where when we change our routine, mm -hmm. um, I don't know about, uh, you know, I'll, I'll take a straw poll here. I know I've had more anxiety in COVID. Um, you know, and I think mm -hmm. it would be crazy to think that our kids don't as well. And when we have anxiety, that usually leads to behavior because we're trying to ratchet the anxiety down. And sometimes I guess there are some people who automatically choose good choices. Like I have a friend who's like, I think I'll go for a walk when I'm feeling anxious. I take a walk to the refrigerator. That's how, <laughs> that's not a good thing. Right. Um, but then when I'm aware of it, I can make a different choice. I think it's rational to think that our kids will have more anxiety, that they will make behavior choices, that the first one isn't the best one, but we can also help them to say, you know, you have other choices here. That, you know, when you're feeling this way, we could go for a walk or we could sing a song or whatever your kid is into. But I don't think it's... Uh, um, I don't think it's odd that our children would also engage in more problem behaviors during this time. Uh, somebody said, amen, let's eat. Yeah, I'm trying, I'm, I'm trying in COVID to stop that. Uh, we put a treadmill, it's just directly to my left here in my living room. Um, and we're trying to encourage ourselves to get on the treadmill, my husband and my son and I, before we're feeling anxious, that it's a, like a daily insurance policy that we get on the treadmill and we stretch our muscles. And we find that it's easier to self-regulate if we do that and we're doing it as a family. So, cause that my go-to is let's walk right over to the refrigerator. Um, but I, you know, I, I, will, I will tell you guys, I've lost 34 pounds in COVID. And my, my husband has lost almost, almost that much. We love to say that we've lost like uh, every, like first it was, well, we've lost a kindergartner and now we've lost a first grader. Um, so um, it doesn't have to be, we don't have to gain weight in COVID. And if I can do it, I would tell you that you for sure could do it. So, uh, but look at, I look at you, Naomi, and uh, you know, it's daunting to me. I don't know if I could have done what you've accomplished in COVID. Um, but I'm, I'm glad that you're telling your story and you are a beautiful writer. And I want to encourage everybody to go on autism lives, Facebook right now, we've posted the link to the article that Naomi wrote. Uh, it is also being featured on cards, social media, on their Instagram and on their Facebook, uh, because it's lovely. And, and I think it's really a message about, uh, what you can accomplish if you, if you have the right information so that you know what to go look for in terms of access. And since many of us don't know, it's wonderful to learn at your feet, Naomi. Oh, thank you so much. I just wanted to add one other thing that I forgot to mention, because we were talking about resources and collaborating. And um, I think another huge piece as parents, as professionals is the collaboration piece. 
Um, and so in our situation, the collaboration with the school has been instrumental too in my daughter's success. So they have her on, um, it's like a modified schedule. So she's able to miss any school needed for ABA. So for example, she, uh, yeah, so she goes in person right now for three days a week and then she's at the center. She's at CARD two, day, two full days a week. So that also has been huge to partner with the school. Um, and again, it's part of us, our job as parents is to be an advocate for our children and we don't have someone that finds someone that, you know, there's, there's uh, nonprofits in all of our states that provide support with IEPs, but really to be advocating and to be our voice that this is essential, this therapy, like school's important and so is ABA. So my daughter needs both. So let's figure out how to work, work this so she can be getting both and she can be getting OT as well. And she can be getting, she gets pulled out to meet with the school psychologist to work on friendships and, you know, and then they're, they're also um, implementing. So I've sent my daughter to school with the ABA handouts. So the school psychologist, her teacher, they have them on her desk. Um, and so they're able to do a reward system so she can earn things for good behavior. So it's all in alignment with what she's getting at home. Um, and so just that, that relationship is so crucial. I wanted to add that. They want to know, did you get that written into her IEP that, that she would have that flexibility and could go some of the time? Is that actually written into her IEP? You know, that's a good question. Um, I'm trying to think if it's in writing or if it was just a verbal piece that the school told me, oh, well, no problem. We'll put her on an alternate schedule. So like when it comes to the attendance, um, that is a good question. I would have to look at her IEP, um, but it, it easily could be in her IEP. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Well, um, either way. She has flexible a, seating. She's got flexible. I'm, I'm guessing it probably is. Well, either way, it's amazing that you got that. And it, I think um, just knowing that someone else got that empowers parents to go in and say, can we have an alternate schedule? Um, is that something mm -hmm. that you guys do? The worst thing that can happen is they can say no. Um, mm -hmm. but, but sometimes it's knowing what the phrase is to ask for something. Uh, can we have an alternate schedule? Because she's got this medically necessary uh, mm -hmm. treatment that we're going to need to do and we don't want to miss out on anything. They might be thrilled mm -hmm. to do that. I know you're not the only, you're not the only place, um, that the only parent that has said our, our school has been so great working with us. I don't think it's everybody's story, but I will be honest with you guys. I think that part of it is, is that schools don't know what to do. They don't know how mm -hmm. to help us. So ask, ask and tell mm -hmm. them, well, and communicate. You know, I, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, Naomi, unfortunately we're out of time, but I just really want to thank you. I'm sorry that the sound was not great for you. Uh, but the next time you come on, we'll, we'll make sure it's better. Oh, it was great at the, it was fine now. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much. You're a wonderful resource and we're going to, we're going to be in touch with you and have you back again. All right. Sounds great. Thanks. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. And you guys, I just, we've got one minute here. I just want to point out that tomorrow's live show, it's Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy. Nancy Allspaugh Jackson will be back with me. Also, Vince Redman, licensed marriage and family therapist, will be here, plus we'll do in the news. If you have questions for Vince, um, Vince was a behavioral therapist for many years and is now a licensed marriage and family therapist. Feel free to write in questions 
at any point um, for Vince, you, um, you know, you can ask them tomorrow morning, but if there's something specifically you want us to start out with or a specific topic, please let us know. I uh, also want to remind you that we do the, the show Monday through Friday. Uh, we weren't live. We missed a bunch of shows for various and sundry reasons, but uh, we've been live for the last three days. Uh, well, two days and then tomorrow. Um, and then we replay our live shows on Saturday on Facebook. So there, there's a marathon of the shows that play again. But again, they're also all available on podcasts and uh, I'm going to stop talking and then you'll see the message about please like us and share us. But we'll be back tomorrow. Until then, give your kiddos a hug from me and yourselves one too. Bye-bye for now.